Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 3, Episode 19, titled Sozin's Comet Part 2, The Old Masters. The continuation of the four-part series finale, the continuation of what is collectively my favorite episode of this entire show. Of course, it continues to be amazing in this second quarter. It continues to be absolutely magnificent. Every single second, every single frame continues to be a work of art in and of itself. Let's just get right into it, because there is, there is a lot to unpack here, and I mean a lot. Now, there are really two clusters of things that happen in this particular episode. Uh, There's things that happen to Aang, and there are things that happen to everyone else. For the sake of discussion, we'll start with what goes on with everyone else. And then go into what's going on with that. So, this picks up, of course, right where the last one left off. Zuko and the rest of the crew are going to talk to June. They're going to try to get the uh, Shirshu to track down Aang. There's some banter between Zuko and June. Including June once again. As she did before, poke fun at Zuko, saying, oh, I see you found your girlfriend. And then, like, Zuko and Katara just get enormously pissed at the very idea that they're a thing, which is hilarious. So then June is convinced by, you know, the end of the world... And so she agrees to try and track down the Avatar. Uh, they give June Aang's staff. And the Shirshu can't find him. He's gone. He doesn't exist. It's not that he's dead. We'd be able to find him if he was dead. He just doesn't exist. Now, my theory on this is because later in this episode, it is revealed that Aang is on the back of a giant lion turtle. My theory is that the lion turtle is masking his scent. 
So because Aang is being overpowered by the Lion Turtle, the Shearshu can't find him. That's my theory. I believe that is what is the deal there. But they never, like, have a moment where they turn to the camera and explain it. Which is probably a good thing. We don't need a, a, we don't need an explanation spelled out for literally everything. So then Zuko comes with the brilliant idea of, hey, there's only one other person who has any chance of facing the Fire Lord, uh, Uncle Iroh. So, uh, let's get Iroh's sweaty sandal and track him down. <laughs> He kept his uncle's sweaty sandal. <laughs> that that is a callback all the way to like freaking episode seven. <laughs> that is a callback to like way before. I swear to God, all the plot threads are really coming together here. So. Sheer Shoe, Track, and Iroh now. Uh, they go across the Earth Kingdom for like a day. And they eventually come up on Bossing Se. They come up on Bossing Se. June's like, hey, your uncle's beyond the wall. Uh, it shouldn't be too far. Bye. And then they, they set up camp for the night. And then who finds them? Who finds... Team Avatar? The Order of the White Lotus. And who makes up the Order of the White Lotus? Paku? Zhang Zhang, Pian Dao, and Boomy. We have the return of Paku, of Zhang Zhang, of Pian Dao, and of Boomy. Yes! Yes! All of them are back! All of these characters are back! It's friggin' Christmas! It's Christmas in October! Actually, when this aired, it was literally Christmas in July, because I remember very clearly this aired on a Saturday night in July. How do I remember that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but... It's so awesome to see them all again, and in such a badass capacity of, hey, we're all members of a secret society, the Order of the White Lotus, which, by the way, has been teased all the way back to mid-season two. Remember the desert? That subplot where Zuko and Iroh were trying to gain passage to Ba Sing Se? That was the Order of the White Lotus? So we got a little glimpse of them there, but now that little tease is paying off brilliantly when we see the White Lotus doing this big, like, their goal is to take back Ba Sing Se. When we see the White Lotus doing this 
magnificent feat of taking back Ba Sing Se, and we have four really amazing characters returning as part of this order. I especially love the line from Boomy of, all people know each other, don't you know that? <laughs> it's just all old people. <laughs> also, a few character details that need to be mentioned as long as we're talking about White Lotus. Uh, Paku, now, uh, now engaged to Grand Grand. So now he's Grand Paku. I mean, I continue to maintain my theory that he always has been Grand Paku, and that uh, Paku uh, knocked Grand Grand up before she left the North Pole. But whatever, that's just me. That's my particular fan theory. That's my particular headcanon. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. All I know is that now it is at least in some way confirmed. Indirectly, Grand Paku. He he is at least in name, Grand Paku. And I will know... I I will never refer to him as anything other than Grand Paku. (laughs) Grand Paku. But what's even more badass... Is Boomy's story... Of taking back Bossing Say on the or not Bossing Say of taking back Omashu on the day of the eclipse. Boomy took back his whole city on the day of the eclipse, and it's awesome. Like this is what he was waiting for. This is why he stayed. To wait for a moment such as this, where firebenders are vulnerable, where he can't be taken out, where he can't be overwhelmed in the way that he would be otherwise. He went for the hard wait for an easy victory. And it's so badass. It's so badass to watch Boomy break himself out of his metal cage and just take back his city all by himself. He's earthbending buildings. He's causing rock avalanches from the top of his city. He's, like, taking out, like, firebender after firebender after firebender, causing everyone to leave. He earthbends a statue. He causes a statue to just slide down the face of Omashu and take out the bridge. It's awesome. It's so badass. And to think that this was happening at the moment of the invasion, to think that while the invasion was going on, this was a thing. Oh, it's so awesome. Oh, it's so great. And here's another thing. Here's another long gestating background plot. That we finally got a payoff for. I'm telling you, Sozin's Comet is the perfect ending. It leaves no plot thread unfulfilled. It's amazing. It's really, really amazing. Oh my god, Boomy's great. I, I love 
I love that whole flashback. And then, of course, they're taken to the White Lotus camp. And... Zuko is pointed in the direction of Iroh's tent. Zuko sits outside the tent for a moment and is like, He hates me. I know it. I know it. He hates me for this. He'll never forgive me. And Katara's like, Hey, no, I'm, I'm sure he's proud of you. I'm sure he'll forgive you. Just go in there. Stop being a wuss. <laughs> she didn't say that, but she might as well have. So Zuko goes in. And how perfect it is that when he goes in initially, Iroh is asleep. <laughs> Zuko's having this cathartic moment of, I'm going to go in. I'm going to face my uncle. I'm going to beg for his forgiveness as I wanted to. For so long now. And he's asleep. <laughs> That's such an Iro thing to do. To undercut such a beautiful moment by being asleep. <laughs> to undercut such a big moment for Zuko. By being asleep when he enters. And Zuko. Like a good nephew. Just sits and waits for him to wake up on his own. Two seasons ago. He would have rudely awakened him. Probably by burning down his tent. But no. Now he knows enough. Like he's quieted enough. He's respectful enough. That he just sits down and waits. And then Iroh gets up. They have this. Really beautiful reunion. Where Zuko is just like. Begging. For his forgiveness. Like pretty much begging. He's been teasing begging for a while. The begging, he came through on the begging. It's like, I'm so ashamed of what I did. Like, I regret it so much. Like, please forgive me. Please don't hate me. I, I know I was horrible, but now I, I'm not. And then, like, as Zuko's going on his little monologue that I clearly don't remember every word of, Iroh just hugs him. Just cuts him off and hugs him. And there's this amazing exchange of dialogue. How could you forgive me so easily? I thought you'd be furious with me. I was never angry at you, Zuko. I was sad. Because I thought you lost your way. This is going to happen a lot in this arc, by the way. Just so you know. Perfect. No two lines, no one exchange of dialogue has taken me on such a brief yet powerful emotional roller coaster. Just on its own. It's extraordinary. It really, really is. It is absolute perfection. It is brilliant. Brilliant dialogue that brings closure to the inner turmoil of Zuko and his relationship with Iroh. It brings that full circle so perfectly. It closes that out 
so perfectly. Zuko is redeemed. And Iroh could not be happier. It is beautiful. It is heartwarming. And I love it. There's never a moment where I watch that scene and don't smile. There's never a moment where I watch that scene and I'm not grinning ear to ear. I'm smiling like an idiot right now, like, as I talk about it. It's so great. So then Iroh, Zuko, and everyone else just sit around and talking about destinies. So Zuko initially gives his pitch to Iroh of, like, you're the only person other than the Avatar who can defeat the Fire Lord. Well, first he says the Father Lord, like a little bitch. Old Freudian slip there. And it's great. You're the only one who, other than the Avatar, who can defeat the Fire Lord. And I was like, yeah, no. that That's not me. That's not what I'm going to do. History would look at it unkindly. They would see it as more senseless violence. A brother killing a brother to gain power. The only way for this war to end peacefully is for the Avatar to defeat the Fire Lord. That is his destiny. That is what he was put on this earth to do. It can only be him. And he's like, don't worry. I know he's missing, but Aang will defeat Ozai. Aang will take down the Fire Lord. He'll return. He'll win. So then they carve out what their actual destinies are. Zuko asks Iroh if he'll take his rightful place on the throne after Ozai is defeated. And Iroh's like, no. No, I can't. Someone new must take the tr- take the throne. It has to be you. Zuko. Fire Lord Zuko. It's gonna happen. We'll get Zuko. In Fire Lord Throne. I am very happy about this. I am very happy that this is being brought up, period. Because Zuko freaking deserves it. 100%. So Iroh... Basically, flat out tell Zuko, you have to return to the Fire Nation so that when the Avatar defeats the Fire Lord, you can restore order. You'll be there to peacefully transition the Fire Nation out of this war. 
but Azula will be there, waiting for you. And Zuko's like, I can handle Azula, not alone. (laughs) Iroh just shuts that down immediately, like, no, no, you're not going to face Azula alone. So Zuko asks, asks, I can't talk. Zuko asks Katara, how'd you like to help me put Azula in her place? So Zuko, Zuko and Katara are going to take out Azula. Yes. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Meanwhile, Saika, Saika, Sokka's like, what about us? What's our destiny today? And I was like, what do you think it is? And Sokka very brilliantly figures it out on its own, on his own. Like, well, even though we don't know where Aang is, we need to do everything we can to stop the airship fleet. And that way, when Aang does come back, we'll be right there if he needs us. So Sokka, Toph, and Suki, their job is to take out the airship fleet. It's gonna be real good. It's gonna be real great. It's gonna be real awesome. I can't wait for that to be a thing. Meanwhile, Iroh, what's his destiny? He talks about when he was a boy having a vision of taking Ba Sing Se, of conquering Ba Sing Se. Only now does he realize that his destiny was to take it back from the Fire Nation so the Earth Kingdom can be free again. Iroh and the members of the White Lotus are going to take back Ba Sing Se. They are going to take back the Earth Kingdom capital. So, uh, and, so, not Aang. Zuko and Katara, how have I gotten, like, 59 episodes into this show, and now I'm flubbing up basic names? Jesus Christ! I'm an idiot! I'm dumb! This is one of my favorite shows of all time, and yet, somehow... I'm flubbing the most basic of names. God damn it. Anyway, Zuko and Katara get on Appa. Suki, Toph, and Sokka get on Eelhound. And they go their separate ways, ready to do their part in restoring balance to the world. That's only half of what's happening in this episode. We also have what Aang's doing. Aang's got some stuff going on. On this weirdo island, which we eventually find out is a giant lion turtle. And he's walking around like, oh my god, what is this? Uh, He finds this hexagon. Tries to bend it, not made of earth. And so, eventually, he's like, hey, you know it'd be great if I tried to figure out this whole killing Ozai deal 
by contacting my past lives. So he contacts Roku, who goes back to the story told earlier in the season of him and Sosen. How he tried to show strength, and because of that, Sosen took advantage, and the war began. If I had been more decisive, I could have stopped the war before it got to this point. You must be decisive. Then he goes to Kiyoshi, who talks about Chin the Conqueror. I love, by the way, how one of the worst episodes of this show is coming back in a way that is actually relevant to, you know, good storytelling. (laughs) It's great. Now Chin the Conqueror means something other than just a not good episode. (laughs) Chin the Conqueror is actual poignant advice to Aang. And Kiyoshi talks about how she had to kill him. But wait, technically he didn't kill him. He fell to his death because he was too stubborn to get out of the way. I don't see a difference. And she gives the advice that only justice can bring peace. Then he goes way back to avatars we'd never even heard of. Uh, He meets Kurok, who was a go-with-the-flow avatar, very hands-off. People seem to resolve their own problems, yada, yada, yada. Then he... uh, He lost the woman he loved to Ko, the face stealer. Hey, remember that? Remember when when we saw Ko in the Siege of the North? And I was like, oh, I met one of your past lives. Uh, one One of your past lives, you tried to kill me. Something about stealing the face of someone you love. No stone left unturned in Sozin's comment. No plotline, no question left unresolved. Yes! So not only is that an amazing story on its own, not only is that a brilliantly... A brilliantly heartbreaking, brilliantly crafted little narrative, little mini-narrative in this larger arc. Kurik leaves with the advice of basically be more active. Basically, be hands-on. Basically, don't be lazy like I was. Because that kind of... That kind of cost me the woman I love... Be more attentive. So then Aang is like, damn it, all these avatars are telling me to do it. They're telling me to kill Ozai. They don't understand. And then Aang does that 
little thing where uh, he pretends Momo can talk, which is, by the way, an amazing comedic feat. Like, oh, yes. If I, if I talk to an air nomad, maybe they'll understand where I'm coming from. I know you can't talk, Momo, but pretending you can just helps me think. I'm gonna pretend I didn't pretend to hear that. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend I didn't pretend to hear that. That is just perfect. That is an amazing line. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, I forgot that existed before rewatching this episode today. I'm gonna pretend I didn't pretend to hear that. Good God. So then he talks to Avatar Yang Chen, who basically says, like, yeah, I get it. You've been raised on the teachings of the Air Nomads, and the monks have taught you well. You're a gentle spirit, but you're the Avatar, so you kind of got to forget literally every aspect of that. And... Just, you know, do what's best for the world. A.K.A. Kill Ozai. Her advice to Aang is... Don't be selfish. You need to do whatever it takes to save the world. And then Aang, at that moment, resigns himself... To saying... I guess I have to do it. I guess I have to kill the Fire Lord. Then, uh... The island starts moving. So that's a thing. So... Aang's just kind of investigating this moving island. Dives down, sees that this is an animal. Sees that this is, like, the biggest animal in the world, as he puts it. He sees, like, a a paw. He sees a little hand paddling. And he then wants to, like, kind of go around and see its face. Like, oh, what is this? I have to know more. And then he gets around to see the face, and it is indeed a giant lion turtle. A giant lion turtle, did I just say? A giant lion turtle. By the way, remember, in the library, Aang found, like, a book where he saw this, like, image of giant lion turtles... And Aang was like, oh, isn't that cool? And then it was never mentioned again. They set this up a season and a half ago without anyone realizing. This show is brilliant. This show is incredible. Again, no stone left unturned. Everything. Everything comes back in this arc. So, he sees this lion turtle, and is like, hey, maybe you can help me. Everyone, 
Even my own past lives are telling me to take someone's life. But I don't know if I can do it. And he gives this advice. He gives this universal cosmic message. And then leaves Aang on the land, on the shore, and is like, wait for him. He'll come. It is at this point we get our ending. Go to Ozai and the fleet of airships. It's time for the world to be burned in fire and for a new world to be burned uh, to be born rather from the ashes. I just butchered that line. I'm the worst. And it is at this moment that Sozin's Comet arrives. Sozin's Comet. Burning in the Earth's atmosphere. This is what we've been building to. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the moment. We've been going three seasons. Waiting for this. Sozin's Comet has arrived, and now Aang will have to face the Fire Lord. And it's over. That's our cliffhanger. We will talk about this more tomorrow. I'm gonna shut up. Otherwise, I will be getting way ahead <laughs> of, uh, of what this show will actually be. Delivering way ahead of what this show is actually meant to be. I'm only supposed to talk about part two. If I talk any longer, I'll start getting into parts three and four territory. I don't want to do that. You'll have to wait for tomorrow and then Monday to get parts three and four. Anyway, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer, feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate Everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 3, Episode 20. Talk to you then.